Here at Faith Bible Church, we are in a series through the Sermon on the Mount, which is in the book of Matthew, chapters 5, 6, and 7. We are currently in Matthew chapter 6 and encourage you to turn there in your copy of the Bible today. We'll be looking at verses 5 through 8 of Matthew 6. I'm going to read those out loud and you can follow along in your Bible. Matthew chapter 6, starting to read in verse 5. When you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. We have noted in our series thus far that Jesus, in this section as He's teaching on this hillside, is giving pictures of how a person who is right with God, how they should be living. Little snapshots of what it looks like to be in right relationship with God. And in so doing, Jesus is defining what it really means to be in right relationship with God. He's, he's defining righteousness and, and what kind of righteousness is required to enter the kingdom. And everything that he says in chapter 5 is counterintuitive to his audience. Because he's speaking to an audience who many of them believe that they already are right with God. And yet, Jesus is going to show them that the only way to be right with God is, first of all, to acknowledge that we're not. In chapter 5, verse 3, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are broken spiritually and recognize it. That, that we don't have a righteousness of our own that makes us acceptable to God. That in and of ourselves, we are not right with God. And then Jesus said something provocative that, that probably either physically or at least emotionally caused those who heard it to draw their jaw when he said in chapter 5 verse 20, For I say to you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. What? Who could be more righteous? Who could be more right with God than the religious leaders? And then Jesus came to the end of chapter 5 and said in the last verse, Therefore you are to be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect, and that just lifted the bar so high that if people were listening, they would acknowledge that 
Nobody can be right with God. And that's really the point Jesus is making. And he's going to continue in this sermon to show that while in and of ourselves we cannot be right with God, there is a pathway to be in right relationship with God. And that pathway is in him. Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 is trying to show these scribes and Pharisees that while they think they are right with God, they are wrong in what they believe. Now in chapter 6, he's showing them that they are wrong in what they do. There are three ways that that a person who is highly religious would express their devotion to God in Jesus' day. One would be giving money to the poor. One would be praying. And one would be fasting. Last week we looked at what Jesus said about giving to the poor. Today and two weeks from today, we're going to look at what Jesus says about prayer. And Jesus, as he introduced not only what these religious leaders were believing wrong, as he introduces what they are doing wrong, he introduces this section in chapter 6, verse 1, when he said, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. You say, The religious leaders were people-centered. And Jesus is going to say, we need to be God-centered. They were doing things for a show. And as we're going to see today, as they came in prayer, they were praying for people. They were praying to be noticed They were praying for a show instead of praying to the Father. I've shared this account with you on a prior occasion, but uh, when our, when Barbara and mine, our youngest son was in college, he became really enthralled with watches. He had a special box to keep his watches in, and he had enough watches that he could probably wear a different watch every day of the week and then some. And depending on the outfit that he had on, called for the watch that he wore. Well, I was up at his university in Grand Forks, North Dakota with him, and I I looked at his watch and I thought, oh man, that's a nice watch. I was having a little bit of watch envy. It's always painful when your kids have nicer stuff than you do. And so I was looking at his watch with a little bit of watch envy and I noticed that it wasn't set to the correct time. In fact, it wasn't even remotely set to the right time. And I said, Shaners, your watch is not even close to being set to the correct time. And he looked at me and said, oh, I don't care. (laughs) You see... For him, the watch was just to complete his ensemble. The watch was just something to wear. 
he didn't really care about its intended purpose. He's kind of outgrown that now. One of the things that Jesus is pointing out here is that too many people during his day, religious people, were just praying for show. They didn't really care about its purpose. And so Jesus, in pointing out to these ones who thought they're right with God, pointing out to them that maybe you're not as right as you think you are, also helps us understand in a deeper way that purpose for prayer. And one of the things we're going to see is that prayer is not man-centered, it's God-centered. We've introduced those big words before. It's not anthropocentric, it's theocentric. It's not man-centered, it's God-centered. And here, Jesus is telling these ones listening to him. Many of you here, Jesus is going to tell them, are just praying for show. So he confronts it. And in chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, we see that that's not what Jesus' disciples should do. Those who are followers of Jesus, his disciples should direct their prayers to God and not to people. He says it this way in verse 5. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. Remember, a hypocrite is a person who just does something for show. They are a pretender. They are playing a role. We saw Jesus talk about hypocrites in verse 2. He said, when you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Here in verse 5, he says, when you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners. Look at his the purpose statement Jesus assigns to that kind of praying. So that they may be seen by men. And then Jesus says this, if that's your goal, if you are praying to be noticed by people and to have people think, wow, that guy's really spiritual, that woman's really spiritual, if that's your goal, Jesus says, truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But, when you pray, disciple of Jesus, one who's really seeking after the person of Jesus Christ, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Jesus says, if you are easily prone to to doing what the hypocrites do, if you, if you find that, that it's easy for you to be motivated by what people think of you instead of really following God's purpose for prayer, it'd be better not to pray on the street corner. It'd be better not to pray in the synagogue. Rather, it'd be better for you to go into an inner room where no one 
can see you. Deal with it radically. The little word here translated inner room, it literally is talking about, it could be a room inside a a house. There'd be no windows to the outside. Sometimes the word is used in reference to like a storehouse or a storage room. Jesus says, deal with it definitively, radically. If you're prone to doing something just to be noticed by people, go someplace and do it where you won't be noticed because no one can see you. And then Jesus says this, and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We're all familiar with uh, uh, the concept of cost-benefit analysis. And while that may be more prevalent in the business world, even in our homes, we those principles become very apparent. We can say, well, yeah, that's a good thing, but at what cost? I mean, I I know that would be a good thing for us to have in our home, but when would that ever pay us back? What's What's the benefit here? And some people can look at prayer and say, well, what am I going to get out of it? What's the reward? And as we're going to see this morning, the reward is God himself. You know what prayer is? Prayer is talking with God that leads to the fulfillment of His purposes and not our purposes. Prayer is theocentric. It's God-centered. It's not man-centered. And here we find Jesus trying to make a point that these ones who think they're right with God are just going through a show. They're worried about appearance, but not really about why we should be praying to the Father. Jesus is not trying to make a point here about position during prayer. For example, when he says they love to stand and pray in the synagogues, Jesus isn't condemning standing in prayer. We see all kinds of of different positions in prayer in scripture. For example, in Matthew chapter 26 verse 39, Jesus is uh, face down, lying down, prostrate in prayer. In Luke chapter 22 verse 41, Jesus is kneeling in prayer. In 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 18, David is seated in prayer. Jesus is not trying to make a big deal here about of about the proper posture in prayer. He's also not trying to make a big deal about the fact that a person can only properly pray in secret. That's not his point. In fact, if we look at the unfolding of the New Testament, we see the church gathered in prayer. Passages like Acts chapter 1 verse 24, Acts chapter 2 verse 42, Acts chapter 3 verse 1, and Acts chapter 4 verses 24 through 30. The church gathered in prayer. Acts chapter 2, 
verse 42 says this. I'll just read it quickly. Acts 2.42 says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. When we come over to Acts chapter 6, verse 4, the apostles are committed to praying together. Acts chapter 6, verse 4 says we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Jesus here is not somehow saying that believers, disciples, should only pray by themselves. What he is saying is deal radically with hypocrisy. Remember in chapter 5, verses 29 and 30, Jesus said, if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it's better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off. Throw it from you, for it's better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Jesus is saying, deal with sin radically. And here he's saying, deal with hypocrisy radically. If you're prone to hypocrisy and and find yourself praying so that people can see you, go pray where there aren't any people. And then he says this. When you pray, go into your inner room. Close your door. Pray to your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret. We don't see Him. Other people don't need to see us when we pray. When He sees what's done in secret, He will reward you. What's the reward? As we're going to see in two weeks, the reward is not simply us Getting every material thing that we ask to happen. In fact, as we're going to look at Jesus' pattern for prayer, asking for things is very, very small portion of prayer. We're going to see that ultimately the reward in prayer is God Himself. It's God Himself. It's coming to Him and being with Him and seeking Him and declaring His attributes and asking Him to do His will in our lives. It's all about Him. My wife and I have three boys. One of them is a man of few words. One of them is a man of quite a few words. And the other one's kind of in between someplace. This last week, I got a phone call from the one who is a man of few words. And he called just to talk. Oh, I can't tell you how excited I was that my son called me just to visit, just to talk, just to say, hey, dad. Oh, it was great. Those of you who don't have adult children yet might someday actually, this may be more meaningful to you, but when you have one who's a person of few words and you don't hear from them very much and they don't open up and talk very much, just to call and say, hey, how's it going? Thought I'd just give you a ring. Let's just talk for a while. Oh, it was sweet. It it was sweet. It It was such a joy just To be together talking. That's where the reward was. 
And here, as Jesus says, when we come to Him seeking Him, in verse 6, He will reward you. I think the reward is Him. It's, 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 it's knowing more of Him. Do you remember the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10? In Philippians chapter 3 verse 10, the Apostle Paul says, this is what drives Him in His life, that I may know Him. And the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering being conformed to His death. As we come to the Father, we come to Him. Not just to ask things, but we come to Him to know more of Him, to seek more of Him. A week or so ago, uh, me and some of our other elders went to Chicago for a couple of days of renewal and prayer. And the facilitator of this time has has kind of coined a phrase that uh, is very appropriate for what Jesus is saying here, and that is simply this, that we need to seek God's face before his hand. And then he goes on to say, when we do seek his face, he often opens his hand. And here Jesus is saying that these religious leaders who think they're right with God, they're going around and they're impressing lots of people with the eloquence of their prayer. And they're impressing lots of people with how much they pray. But all they're doing is trying to get the approval of people. And Jesus says, if that's what they're seeking, that's what they're going to get. But those who really seek Him in prayer will find Him in prayer. Jesus goes on in verses 7 and 8 talking about what these religious leaders are doing and and talks about how they are trying to work an angle with God in prayer. And, and, and Jesus' point is simply to say that going through some formula does not make your prayer and my prayer and their prayer more effective. Excessive words don't make our prayers more effective because the Father knows what's on our hearts even before it touches our lips. Notice verse 7. When you're praying, don't use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Now, the, the Greek term that's translated meaningless repetition here is really rare. And sometimes when you find a word in the New Testament that's not used in other places, or it's not used in writing outside of the New Testament during the same time period, it's difficult to, to define. Some believe that this word is close to an Aramaic word that means to be idle or useless. Some believe that this Greek word is an example of onomatopoeia. Isn't that fun to say? That's like our word meow. Uh, It's an English word, but it sounds like an animal sound. Or moo. Bah. Those are, those are examples of onomatopoeia. And some scholars believe that's what's going on here, that this word, this Greek word has kind of a sound of like what babbling would be. And some of your English translations actually say, don't babble in prayer. 
While, while it's hard for us to totally nail down what that word means, Jesus explains it in the second half of the verse. Here's what they're doing. They're following a pagan prayer ritual that the Gentiles around them are doing, thinking that it gets them closer to God. In thinking that if they just do this, their prayers are going to be answered by their God. And that has worked its way into Israel's thinking. Israel has started to sort of work God. At Christmas time, Barbara bought me a safe for my firearms. Not because she was concerned about my firearms. We have grandchildren now. And so uh, it's just a simple one, but it was kind of complicated. In fact, I'm the kind of person, there's two kinds of people in the world. The kind of people that buy something, throw the owner's manual in the trash and just start messing with it. And then the kind of people like me that take out the owner's manual and start on page one, read through all the hazards, read through all of the the caveats about don't use this product improperly, all through the instructions till the end, and then look at the product. I actually don't read the safety stuff too much, but everything else I read. So I read through the manual, and then I figured out, okay, I've got to put in the code. Then I have to press this certain button. Then I have to move this latch. Then I have to move a second latch and it'll open. And if I do any of that in the wrong order, it's not going to open. I have to put in the code. I have to press this button. I have to move this latch. I have to move the second latch. And then it all opens up to me. And sometimes people start thinking that prayer is like following following a set of instructions to open up God. A ritual. Trying to, if I just do this, and then I do this, and then I do this, then God's going to give me what I want. And Jesus is here telling these religious leaders that this little formula that they're trying to use with God, it doesn't make their prayer more effective. You don't work an angle with God by following some formula. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is intimacy with God. Prayer is is talking with God. Prayer is God-centered. And it doesn't ultimately lead to God doing what we want. It ultimately leads to God doing what He wants in and through you. For His kingdom. And Jesus here, in talking is not trying to forbid long praying. If you look at Luke chapter 6 verse 12, Jesus prayed all night. So it's not saying that it's wrong to pray for a long period of time. Jesus here is not forbidding bringing the same thing that's on our heart to the Father more than once. Jesus did that. If you look at Matthew chapter 26, verse 44, we find these words. Matthew 26, 44, it says, And he left them again, and went away, and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. So Jesus 
repeated himself in prayer. We have the parable of Luke chapter 18 verse 1 where the point of it is be diligent in our prayer lives. Continue to come to the throne of grace. Continue to beseech the Lord to ask him to do his work. So Jesus here in verses 7 and 8 is not trying to say that we can't pray for a long time. He's not saying that we should only bring a request to the Father once. No, he's talking about trying to work an angle with God. He's talking about thinking that if I just do this and this and this and this, then I'm going to get what I want. It's not what prayer is. Prayer is not what I want, it's Him. It's not man-centered, it's God-centered. And in two weeks, Jesus will actually give us a pattern for prayer that we can use throughout our lives that will help us focus not on just my desires, but on who He is and the work that He wants to accomplish for His kingdom. You know, these ones to whom Jesus is addressing, they're just praying for show. And Jesus here saying, we don't, my disciples don't pray for show. My disciples pray to the Father to seek Him. You may be here today and and there are some burdens on your heart or you just want to spend some more time this morning just talking to the Lord. One of our leaders here at Faith Bible Church will be back in our prayer room directly behind you. You can just slip in there and spend some more time in prayer today. Father, we thank you for your word and for Jesus teaching us here this morning in Matthew 6. That ultimately we come to you in prayer, seeking you. And our reward in prayer is you. It's you. Help us, Father, to grow deeper in our knowledge of you. Our deeper, in a deeper knowledge of your character and your attributes, your ways. And that you would be able in a greater way to do your ways in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name.